What's up, Gumbo listeners? Demetrius Malbro here with another Data Protection Gumbo episode for you. And today I have Sam Curry, Chief Security Officer at Cyber Reason on the show. And Sam is a seasoned security guy of nearly 30 years who has opinions on just about everything and also describes himself as a security Dudley Do-Right. Now, he is truly showing his age with Dudley Do-Right, but maybe because he's originally Canadian. He's also big into geek culture and the security and business divide professionally. He's held the CXO technical positions at RSA, CA, McAfee, Arbor Networks, MicroStrategy, and more, including startups and most recently CPO and CSO at Cyber Reason. He is an established serial entrepreneur, investor, mentor, and strategist, and previously founded two enterprise software companies, the first focused on security called eTunnels, and the other on API management called Layer 7 Technologies, which sold to CA Technologies in 2013. So, Gumbo listener Sam enlightens us on how to keep your organization security aware, especially while remote, dropping some gems for other chief information security officers, and why security breaches are on the rise in 2021. So, Let's get right into this episode. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo. Sam, how are you today? Doing well. Good to be here. Well, it's great to to have you on again for season four. I can't remember the last time that you were on, whether it was season one or season two, or maybe even... It's been a, it's been a while, though, hasn't it? I mean, it was before yeah. all the COVID thing and everything, so thanks for having me back. I also think it was before ransomware really started going crazy out in the wild. Yeah, it's been out of control, hasn't it? It has definitely been out of control, and that's, that's why I have you on the gumbo, because you are a uh, security expert, and so I'm, I'm feeling safe already just being on, <laughs> on, the, on the podcast with you here. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so, that's quite flattering, but I wish it was that easy. <laughs> All right. So let, let's start off with, I guess, um, how have you kept your organization security aware in this remote work environment? Oh, you mean generally, right? Uh, we'll get the ransomware later. Generally, yeah. um, yes. Well, uh, training early and often, but also not making it just, you know, death by PowerPoint and didactic. It's, um, it, you got to keep it fresh and... Um, so as soon as as soon as uh, uh, we all uh, went into the exodus around COVID, uh, we did a number of things. But one of them was that I sent out some reminders. Uh, we saw phishing, of course, go up. It, it felt like two thousand all over again, right? But the number one thing in my in my help desk queue was password resets and VPN issues, as I think for everybody. But it's like the bad guys just took everything on the shelf and just threw it out with the kitchen sink to try to hit something. And then, of course, we had Cybersecurity Awareness Month in October. And rather than just have the obligatory refreshers, we dropped in because we got into the habit of doing more all hands and team meetings through Zoom to make up for lack of physical presence. So we said, hey, can we come to your 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 team meeting? Can we talk about X, Y, or Z? And and we and we made it subject specific, right? And we had a, a couple of ask me anythings. Um, so we kind of we tried to make it a bit more interesting than just, oh yeah, turn up and click next and listen to a, a story or two. 
right? So. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so I guess also as well, just, just from an overall security perspective, w- would you say that it's gotten much worse now in you know, 2020, 2021 than it has been, let's say, in the last five years? Or is it pretty much about the same and it's just the media actually uh, presenting all of these cases now? You know, on the news and in in uh, writing the news, yeah, the cyber cases, right? right. The cybersecurity yeah, cases, correct? Well, I'm sure there's a few human biases in here. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a there's actually a wonderful picture. I can't remember where, where it is, but they put all the biases on one poster. It's really great. Like we have a recency bias, and we have a uh, you know we have a confirmation bias, and what have you. It certainly feels like the heat's been turning up, but I wouldn't characterize 2021 as a worse. 2020 as a worse year from a cyber perspective, so much as a completely different year. You know, it, 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 it's not apples to apples. I can't compare 2020 to 2019 as if it was on a continuum. You know, it's, um, it's sort of like, uh, I struggle for an analogy here, but it's like, you know, in 1920, saying to someone, would you say that your car is faster than the carriage you had 40 years ago? Well, it's a whole different, it's a whole different thing. Right, like, yeah, um, it, it's just a different world, and and I think we've become more aware of it because um, people talk about how 2020 was a catalyst, right? How it, it has enabled us to realize just how remote we could go, and it pushed our innovation uh, and, and forced us to just give it a try. Um, but I think at the same time, it, it's not even that it's a catalyst; it's that um, 2020 was a fundamental shift, and and we realized we had the capacity to continue as a society and a civilization uh, with comms not being face-to-face. Uh, if you'd gone, imagine if COVID-19 had hit at, in 1999, what would have happened to the economy then? As oh, a yeah, right, right. With, especially with right. Y2K and all of that oh. debacle with the time changing over. You know, change. without even factoring that in, you're totally right to me. <laughs> I hadn't even thought. Like everybody would have been like, not only is the sky falling, but what little we have is going to shut down. But but VPNs were an idea that was, no, not an idea. That's not fair. As a practical solution, they weren't a decade old, Mm -hmm. right? And we didn't have all these comms channels, and our phones weren't smart, right? They were particularly dumb, right? Mm -hmm. We used to turn them off at night if you remember. Oh yeah, and we had beep, and we had beepers. So I think it would have been a very different one. I think we would have. been forced in some ways to have more contact. We didn't have delivery services in Amazon and, and we didn't have, you know, uh, and I don't mean to favor any one vendor, but we didn't have your, your, you know, Uber Eats and your, and your, your, you know, dine-ins and dash outs yeah. and everything. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I think it's a, so, so really for me, I think we realized our fragility, it's not so much that it got worse, which by all means there were, more significant incidents like solar winds we cannot ignore and and i'm I'm calling it ransom ops and we can talk about that rather than ransomware okay yeah but i think i think we suddenly realized we had we our achilles heel wouldn't just take out part of our economy it would take it all out if we got hit so here we are now effectively a digital and connected world and a lot of people you know it wasn't like we were perfectly digital a lot of people lost jobs and suffered enormously and still do but then we realized this fragile house of cards now depends on cyber. But then we also had solar winds and we also had ransomware. I think I saw 17 million as one ransom in Bitcoin. I mean, that's a staggering number. Someone asked me, is that the ceiling? I'm like, no, 
just like any market, it's supply and demand and criticality. And I, and and you know what you know what the highest price somebody will pay is the highest price that someone will yeah, pay. Yeah, right. Now, Sam, what what's the difference in ransomware and ransom ops? Just for the gumbo listeners. Well, the first time I spoke about ransomware was a PSA public service announcement uh, in two thousand six. I did this recording. Mm-hmm. I'm embarrassed to go back and look at it. If anybody finds it, please forgive <laughs> me. It, it's like this dark and dingy. Ugh. Uh, but, but nevertheless, I spoke about it back then and, um, I, I was, uh, surprised that it, that it sort of changed nature. But I think what, what shifted is when we think of ransomware, we think, oh, a thing hit my computer and it went off and now I have to pay a ransom. Well, yeah, that's just an iteration on malware with, with you having to pay someone. Ransom ops, that's the reason we talk about, uh, malicious operations, right? As opposed to mal ops, as opposed to malware. What that means is it's not about the milestones on the kill chain. It's about that kill chain, as Lockheed Martin would call it. It's about that progression of the attacker. And and so if you if you if that makes sense, it's an operation centric view of an of a persistent threat. There's a there are by, bad guys and gals who are going to subtly and stealthily blend into the environment, and they're going to go system to system, hide in in processes that exist, use identities that are present, live off the land with, um, it's called fileless malware, but it's neither fileless nor malware. It's using stuff that's already in your environment like PowerShell and WMI and office scripting and everything else. So if that makes sense, that subtle stealthy progression, now add the payload of ransomware. And what happens is they come in and they don't just detonate and they don't just self-replicate. Human beings comb through the network, put it in place, and it's like watching, you know, an old war movie where they simultaneously detonate all the all the the explosives they put at the same time. So it's designed to take out every data center and every backup, so that you are basically from sometime around midnight. And I'm thinking of a specific case: uh, late Friday night, Saturday morning, it all goes away, and then you're told 17 million or else. Oh, and by the way, there's no guarantee that once you pay it, you get the key. Or that they won't come back and do it again, or that they won't sell the data, and that's miserable. So, so in other words, it, it, mm. it's sophisticated organizations who are carrying out deep, advanced attacks. The payload for which is time on target synchronized ransomware, and I call that ransom ops. Wow, that that's scary because it, it's a full time job. Mm-hmm. You know, just like you know, I you know virtually clock in every day and I do my job. You know, it's the same thing for the bad actors mm-hmm. and the cyber cyber gangs out there. It's it's a full time gig, and it also reminds me. Uh, have you seen Designated Survivor? Oh yeah, yeah. Keith show. Sutherland went to the same high school as me up in Canada. We weren't the same year though; we were a little apart. But uh, yeah. Okay. All right. So you you know a lot of people. I'm I'm gonna have to too uh, many too many. <laughs> so you know, in the beginning, right? Like the very first episode or, or second episode, mm-hmm. you know, they blew up the Capitol. They and, did, and he was and, sitting there and, in his in his uh, in his uh, yeah. track pants, yeah. Right, and so you know, I just started that series like a couple of weeks ago, and I'm fascinated by it because it reminds me of House of Cards. But mm. when, when you mentioned, so he's a better person. You know, that, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he he's he's actually a decent human being that that has empathy and cares about people um, as well, and, and it seems like he you know really has empathy you know for mm-hmm. everyone that he that he interacts with. But he's also brilliant, you know. Don't 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 get me wrong, but it reminded me of 
the type of attack that they did and they they strategically planned it out yeah. years in advance and it was it was an operation that involved multiple people tons of money and just this underbelly right mm. so totally totally right um uh, there's a few lessons in what you just said Demetrius. the first one is cyber mm. is a new domain for human conflict so if you, you, you know, mm-hmm. while there aren't conspiracy theories on an order of magnitude as a designated sur- uh, survivor very often, they do exist. And they're so right. much easier to do online. And the other thing is that, that it, a painful lesson is that uh, designated survivor with, with a truly advanced hacking group behind it would have, I mean, there were cyber elements, but it would have been much more effective because, as you recall, there's some cyber clues. I don't want to, no spoilers. Yeah. There are cyber clues <laughs> in the series. Uh, right. The, 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 the FBI agent she, she finds. So, yeah. 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 And it's, it's just fascinating to me, but, um, I, I guess the, the difference between the two is, is, is rather clear. So thank you for, you know, clearing that up and explaining that. But it is worth it. You know what? We, we refer to them as gangs almost condescendingly. Right. Mm-hmm. But they're not, I mean, uh, I'm reminded okay. more of the old, uh, you know, Wiley Coyote, right. Uh, oh, yeah. the, uh, the, Chuck Jones and and the Warner Brothers had and Looney Tunes had this other pair, Ralph Wolf and Sam Sheepdog. And Ralph Wolf was very like Wiley Coyote. He looked just like him. He acted just like him. But they would punch in on the clock every day, and one of them would go out to try to catch the sheep, and one would go out to try to protect the sheep. And uh, I think the first one was called "Don't Give Up the Sheep" in 1953. It's hysterical. I mean, it's absolutely hysterical. But it's more like the bad guys have a job, and they think of it like a job do their work, right? And some of them are tied in with organized crime. But the other thing we don't want is we don't want FUD. We don't want fear, uncertainty, and doubt. In other words, they're not coming to get you right now. They're not. And they're not going to get everybody right now. And they can't do everything at once. But I think we've had some phase changes in the industry where, you know what? Supply chain attacks are a real thing. You can do everything right, right? The solar wind showed us. Yeah. You can do everything right, and a, and a mistake or a compromise upstream, even with them doing everything right, can lead to you. Right, yeah. And ransomware can hit you, even if you do your program right. Eh, you know, there's a chance it'll happen. It's not 100%. Mm. But it begs us to do a few things. It begs us to think about worst case and to prepare for that and to right. not be fragile and to be resilient and to keep good logs and to practice IR. Even if you're a relatively small shop, you got to do these things. Right. Yeah. And you know what? It also reminds me as well that, you know, chief information security officers today are up against an entirely different set of what protocols and breaches. And, you know, you have all these compliance and regulations and all these other different things that have entered since um, what was that? 9-11 that, you know, brought in an entirely different suite of things that companies have to comply with just from a digital perspective. So healthcare is HIPAA. And then you bring in Sarbanes-Oxley and, you know, some of the other, you know, regulations, et cetera. But how has a CISO's role changed just, let's say, since the pandemic? Well, started? that's a very good question. I, I'm sad to say, I think the biggest problem in security is still the lack of alignment between most security departments and CISOs. And I mean the, the majority and their businesses, meaning the business tends to look at the CISO like he or she is still a hobbyist who does a special thing. And most CISOs are 
the less frequently I have to talk to people that are not technologists, like a CIO, or worst case, a CEO, the better. And this is a problem because fundamentally the CISO job is a huge jump up from being a seasoned, mature technology leader, first and foremost, to when they hit that C rank, being a risk and business manager. And that's a bit, it's more of a discontinuous jump than it is, I think, for any other role. Um, a product officer, it's easy. It, you know, head of R&D, it's easy. Head of marketing, it's easier. Uh, legal, obviously, and, and finance, those folks know their business managers from early on. For the CISO, it can be abrupt. And I, and I would like to think that in 2020, you know, um, that old saying, never let a good crisis go to waste. Well, you know, tongue in cheek, because there's no good crises, really. Um, I'd like, to, I'd like to think that some people use this as an opportunity to have a different dialogue with the business, and I'm sure some did, but I don't think enough did. And, you know, there's a, there's a sense on the business side. So when is this security thing done? If I just do X, Y, Z, is it over? Um, and I, and I, I counsel both CISOs and business people all the time. I say, don't think of it like IT. In IT, the project ends, and you, you tune it to five nines, and you can hold it there. Because your enemy is, is nature. Right, it's 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 a failed part. It's a uh, it's a better process, but security of the enemy is people, and the only other parts of the business that are like that are sales, where you have competition, intelligent competitors. Right, let's give them the credit; they're intelligent. They're gonna know they want to beat you like you want to beat them, and legal, and and legal is, you know, what what lawsuits do we face? How do we defend? How do we attack? What do we barter? You know, how do we come to compromise? How do we negotiate? security is more like that than it is like IT because it's a human malicious opponent. And and you would never say to your sales guy, so when are you done? What, what do I have to buy to just make sure sales come in? You would never say that. You would also never say to your lawyer, so, so what do I have to do just so that nobody ever sues me again? You would never say that. So why do we say, hey, what, what do I have to do before security goes away? And I think that that mental shift is a huge one for the business. And then on our side in security, I say our side like it's us versus them. Um, you know, in, in security, it's get to know the language of the business, become a business person, get out of the comfort zone. Most CISOs came up through the ranks and mm -hmm. need to learn the language of the business. It's not true of all of them. Some of them are lawyers and some of them are brought in from other functions. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, it's time, it's time for us to be business people first. And, and by the way, I've never seen anybody who reconciles that divide not mm, come okay. back to the program and make it better. In other words, mm. there's a sense, and I've been guilty of it too, just leave me alone, let me get it right, let me get it perfect. But actually, dialogue with the business tells me what matters and what doesn't far better. And I hope that's, I hope that's self-evident okay. to more to a lot. I'm in this weird situation. I hope people listening find that self-evident. But if it's not, yeah. uh, then, then it's desperately needed. Yeah, and it also reminds me that CIOs have a a better opportunity now to have a seat at the table to have mm -hmm. conversations about the business rather than just about the technology. Because you said CIO. Did, is that what you meant? Because yeah, you're yeah, right. You're totally, by the way, the CIO used to have this problem 20 years ago. Right. right? And, then, right. and you're right. They are closer now. You're totally, you're totally spot on. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I see the CIO and the CISO probably walking lockstep together and meeting rather mm -hmm. frequently. <laughs> because you know there i think that there are more things that are digitally 
that they need to worry about, you know, just from a security perspective with this entirely digital transformation thing. Yes, I threw that word out there again. (laughs) I'm going to agree with you, but I'm going to push back on something. Okay, yeah. The only dialogue they're having is the CIA or they're failing. They Mm -hmm. must be having talks with the other C-suites. They, okay. because because they're a they're cross functional, and b they're about risk, right? And uh, yes, it's mostly IT risk, but IT touches everything. It means it's manufacturing risk. It's it's even legal risk. A lot of legal departments use AI to help um, figure out how to prosecute and what to do, right? Um, especially in larger companies. So yes, lockstep with the CIO. But if that's the only conversation you're having, it's not a good it's not a good recipe for you. Right. Right. Now maybe I'm I'm going to shift gears a little bit to just. Specific to, let's say, you know, corporations, companies, you know, whether it's small, medium, large, you know, and they're, they're storing their data, right? They're, they're backing it up. They're trying to protect it. They're making copies and they may be sending it to the cloud and, you know, they may have a cloud native thing going on where they're spinning up resources in the cloud to also protect the data and to send it off to somewhere else in hybrid cloud and multi-cloud. So, you know, all of these different approaches that organizations are taking just from that overall data protection perspective what is there anything or maybe a couple steps or an approach that you can recommend for the gumbo listeners of 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 a way that they uh maybe something they should be looking out for well i look i'll I'll try and stick to security uh, yeah yeah let's begin let's begin with yeah, you, you need to be able to not just back up, but you need to be able to restore. So practice restoring, right? And I mean, practice it. It's, it's painful to think, I have to do what now? I have to put it over there and then bring it back in a system that hasn't been broken? No, no, actually test it. Um, and then the second thing is now imagine that the bad guys have likewise compromised, compromised your backups. Then what do you do? Yeah. And the answer may not be a good one. It might be that you have to go to backups that are older and you need to keep those older backups for a window of time. And that you have to lose everything between those two points. And then you need a process to capture the important stuff and also identify the windows in which you really can't afford downtime. Yeah, right. And you have, so so plan your contingencies um, and and do some tabletops around it as well. So A, do your backups. B, test them. Three, game out the horrible situation where, they, where they're compromised mm-hmm. and, 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 and then the deal with the consequences and E practice. Yeah. Th- those are all great pieces of advice. And just wanted to throw out as well, you know, one of the things that I'm seeing, you know, just from a ransomware protection pers- uh, perspective in the backup and recovery industry, uh, most of the major vendors are now implementing, you know, some type of artificial intelligence and machine learning to, detect anomalies in the amount of data that's, you know, being backed up and changed, you know, on a nightly basis, because if there's a huge change rate, you know, you normally only have, let's say, two or three percent of data that changes on a nightly basis. And then all of a sudden it goes to 10 or 15 percent. A flag is sent, email sent, and someone is looking into, OK, what happened here? And then they can jump on whatever it may be from a from a. Uh, change rate perspective, if it's a disgruntled employee that may have you know, deleted some things or, or it could be ransomware, right? Mm-hmm. What are you seeing, I guess, on the security front from an AI ML perspective? Are you seeing that now more 
implementing into some of these security solutions? Uh, well, AI and ML for its own sake, I sometimes not really. I mean, if it's a useful tool, I'm seeing implementations. It's reached uh, what Gartner would call the plateau of productivity for things like anti-malware. Um, I mean, you can get pretty good pre-execution, machine learning based. Uh, it's not even anomaly detection. It's it's it extracts the feature space and says, is this likely to be good or bad? And and that's there. Um, but there's still, like, we still haven't figured out societally how to deal with the supply chain risk and what's happening upstream. Um, I think there's also the, the ability, by the way, in your space to employ, um, uh, um, call it uh, the, the bad guys techniques, right? Uh, deception techniques, mm-hmm. generally. So, you know, in mm. security, we have this notion of, of, of honey pits, uh, honey pots and tar pits. You know, honey, honey pot, you suck, okay. you suck the bad guy in and you get a telltale. Uh, tar pit, right. you, you pull them in and just like the La Brea tar pits, you suck them in and, and you, you trap, trap them and, and you slow them down and, and it's painful for them. Um, they're, they're very closely related, but that notion could exist in backup as well, right? So you, you could, for instance, set up systems that never change. And they look super attractive to attackers, but as soon as that hits your backup, uh, you become aware, right? Um, but, and I'm sure there's other techniques. I'm, I'm not a backup person, but the, the potential to use deceptive uh, practices for backup and recovery, as well as testing recovery, right? How does it behave when you do the recover? Does it, you know, for instance, if I do recover. 10 times and, and I get a run state on the 11th time and I don't, maybe the ransomware hasn't hit my environment anymore yet. But on recovery, if I'm playing with the time scale, maybe I can detect some ransomware about to detonate. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of that's possible. Okay. But it's all in simulation and deception techniques as well on the back end. I think there's a huge opportunity, is a better way to put it, for people to innovate, thinking about. Yeah. So how do I avoid an instance in the future where I'm going to restore this and get nailed? Got it. Got it. Okay. That's great advice as well. You know, I, I always, I, I love to, you know, get other perspectives because you, you are, you know, more on the security side, but throwing in just a question about, you know, the backup piece and, you know, how, how do you mm. see it from your lens? Because your lens is going to be different from, you know, uh, from a backup administrator or storage administrator, because all you do is think and eat and drink, you know, security, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny thing is I used to actually be a distinguished engineer at EMC as part of RSA. Oh, so I was exposed I, enough to be dangerous. I was exposed to a lot of storage and backup okay. stuff yeah. back in the day because uh, we were owned uh, by uh, right. EMC for seven years. And now, of course, they're part of Dell or Core. Um, but yeah, uh, but enough to be dangerous. Um yeah, I brought the security perspective to that, and I was always the the one that would be like, "What if there's a bad guy?" In the okay, yeah, um, yeah. I, I think the whole solution is what matters, and what does it do for the business? I, I totally agree with that. And I'm going to ask one more question, and I'm looping back around to just this entire remote work thing that that has sure. been happening just due to the pandemic, and you know, everyone is now really comfortable on Zoom, and you know using all the, the VPNs, et cetera, you know, do you find that incidents are more or less challenging now that teams are, are working remotely? It hasn't really, a f- less actually. I was about to say, it hasn't affected us now. I was like, wait okay. a minute. Most mm-hmm. of the incidents I've had to deal with were easier. Because, um, I, I th- and I think, and this is very strange, because, you know, you would think, oh, 
different home environments and, you know, it's not the same as the work environment, but, but we got over that fast. And, and right. what is easier is the computer's right there in the next room in your house. And maybe that's not good for work-life balance, but it means we can sort of seamlessly manage incidents while I'm feeding the kids. Whereas it yeah, used to yeah. be, don't bother me, honey. I got stuff to do, right? And now it's like, mm-hmm. no, no, kids can get their toast uh, or whatever you're feeding them. Uh, fruits and vegetables, of course, I'm a good dad. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm feeding them and I'm, and I'm handling, you know, uh, you know, a vulnerability that's been escalated by my cloud provider that I need to look into or I'm dealing with solar winds fallout. Right, because even though, even though we didn't, we weren't SolarWinds yeah. customers. Uh, a third of SolarWinds, uh, we shouldn't even call it that. Sunspot, sunburst, whatever word you want. APT twenty nine attributed <laughs> attacks. A third of them were not on SolarWinds install base. Right, so and as more and more is coming out, we we heard about JetBrains, which was of course later denied. Um, Microsoft mm-hmm. and other security companies affected by this. You know, every time that came out, we were tearing everything down to the studs and going, "Where are the termites in this house?" And um, and I got really good at doing that with my team as part of life. And that was not the case beforehand. Beforehand, it was like, now we're in incident response mode. I close the doors, batten in the hatch, yeah. the red lights go off, right? Um, right. Now, now it's just part of what we do. Okay. Well, let's roll into the closing gumbo question, Sam. You ready? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you have to forgive me now. Now, I'm, I'm, it's all always about the backup and storage recovery administrator here on, on the gumbo, even, even though okay. we're talking security. Okay. Although I'm happy, I love gumbo. Jim. Oh man, so yes, it's it's been that. a while since I made a, a a nice pot of it, and you know my most favorite part <laughs> nice. is standing standing over the stove, stirring the roux. Of course, you know you got to get mm. that right. <laughs> okay. So uh, before we close out, what what advice would you give to a backup or storage administrator out there right now who is let's say out of a job due to the to the mm. pandemic? What what advice would you give them? Because you know a lot has happened. And um, just curious, you know, what's your advice? Oh, I feel I feel arrogant with advice Uh-oh. here. I feel like I don't know the plight of that person, and 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 it's not just you know, if you just do this, you can go get a job because the economy has been hit in unpredictable mm-hmm. ways. So, my advice is this: um, call on your network mm. because I think the number one principle for these people is they want to find a new yeah. job. And, and and I don't think anybody yet knows the impact that COVID will have long term on our technology. Mm-hmm. Will it be a catalyst? Will there be a new a new order in IT and security? I have no idea. I mean, I have what I hope to be the case, and I've heard everybody pontificate on it, but that's not worth much when you don't have a paycheck. So my advice is use the network. You know, obviously get a job, and you're probably doing that. So it's not like I say get a job because that's just condescending and stupid. Um, it's not. It's not your fault that this happened, um, and your skills are relevant and needed. And I'd like to think this was an opportunity to diversify. But I know what it's like to be uh, isolated and uh, in quarantine and scared and not. And I don't know what all that's like with not having a job. So um, I mean, I'd like. I, I, I'm having trouble just finding time to read these days. Right? I'm a big reader. So for me to say something like, well, go work on these skills is kind of stupid. But the most important thing is that you tap your network and, and that you get advice from them and people who know you and know your situation. And, and it, you know, I think um, the future, regardless of what COVID-19 does, 
or COVID-21 or 23 or whatever comes next. The future is going to be a continuation of IT principles and security is part of that. And I think backup and recovery people, if you identify that way, maybe try to identify a little bit broad, more, more broadly and realize as well that the reason your services are needed is both make natural causes and man-made. And so understanding a bit of cyber is just healthy for everyone. Um, also, I think understanding a little business continuity is good for every cyber person. We can't just be demanding silly things. So, uh, yeah, my advice is tap your network. And if you're in that situation and you've heard this podcast, you can ping me and uh, find me on LinkedIn um, because uh, I have uh, all the time in the world. And if everybody did it at once, I couldn't handle it. Uh, but, you know, when I get these requests on LinkedIn, uh, I always try to help as a matter of principle. Is there... Is there another social media? Yeah, but, uh, like but Twitter? I'm, I'm Twitter's a dark people? place these days. Um, I, you know, not just uh, the obvious. I'm seeing yeah. a lot of um, a lot of doxing, a lot of bullying. Uh, so yeah, I'm at Sam J Curry, C U R R Y S A M J C U R R Y on Twitter. Feel free to message me, but I am a Gen X neophyte when it comes to using Twitter properly. So I will do my best. LinkedIn, I get because it was made for older people. <clears throat> uh, but uh, feel free to ping me on that too, and I'll do my best to help. Or, or maybe you're going to have to jump on Clubhouse. Have you no, heard of it? I, I have not. Uh, I'm sure my wife has. She, she's all on the Instas and everything else. And I mean, I have an account, but I only use it when I have to, which means never. Uh, but with yeah. Clubhouse, what's Clubhouse about? Um, it just recently, you know, was catapulted, you know, to the top of the list. As oh, really? far as, so it, it's another app that you actually go in and you you have a conversation, you know, so that your voice is activated. So you speak through your mac microphone of your cell phone mm -hmm. and you create a room and you can go into that room with, with others in your network and just have conversations. Wow. I would love that. Were I able to have conversations on the regular, I live on zoom. And if not for that, I've got kids and dogs all the time. So, <laughs> but I will try to do the clubhouse thing. I am not signed up for it yet. Yeah, if you do, ping me. You know, I am on there, and I just joined about a week ago. You're and so, uh, yeah, it's it's been interesting. You know that you're able to like. I was in one room. It was Grant Cardone. Not sure if you know him. Yep. And some other famous person, and you can actually hear them talking. <laughs> it's like, wow, I'm in a I'm in a virtual room with with you know this this billionaire. <laughs> And well, everybody puts their crazy. pants on one leg at a time, right? I, yeah, I, I, I like know, things I that tend to put us all on the same plane. Right? Gotcha. Yeah. Well, it's been great. And Sam, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to Thank have a conversation on the gumbo. So I appreciate it. And um, until next time. My pleasure. And, and thanks for having me. And next time I smell gumbo, I'll, I'll thank you. <laughs> all right, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.